Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Running a test where you ask, uh, what do you think this product is? And just kind of like putting up the image or the packaging or whatever it is, the, the thing that you're having an issue with and asking people, what do you think this product is? And you'd be surprised at how many, how many things that people can't tell, you know, like one, one I saw was, um, it was like this little rake and I couldn't really tell if it was like a Zen sand rake or was it a back scratcher? Welcome to Fearless Sellers. Joining us today is Justin Chen, a veteran entrepreneur and co-founder of PickFu, the ingenious tool that's essential for validating product ideas before they hit the market. So if you're selling on Amazon or planning to, you won't want to miss the practical wisdom Justin's about to drop with us today. We're getting ready to dive into the strategies that safeguard your business against the risks of product launch failures. Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joey. Let's jump right into the burning question that I get as an Amazon selling coach. How can you make sure that your products stand out and sell on Amazon? Yeah. So the way that we advise people and the way that we see a lot of our customers uh, do that is actually testing uh, their product or their main image against their competition. And so, of course, you're probably seeing that um, in your sales or in the statistics that Amazon's showing you, but do you understand why? And that's what we can provide. So um, you know, PickFu is a basically a little micro survey where you ask a question, you upload a couple of options, you upload a couple of creative options, and those could be your main image with your competitors' main images, and um, asking our respondents to choose which one would they buy, and they're going to click and and choose which one they like. But more importantly, they're going to give written explanations why, and so they might comment on, oh, the main image doesn't make it clear, or maybe like the branding or the packaging, like whatever it is. And those are all going to be really invaluable comments to uh, to give you insight on how to improve your your listing. Yeah, and even before you launch, we use that at AMZ Insiders. We use PickFu, and before PickFu, you had to launch an A/B yeah. test on Amazon. And now I'm like, hey, let's just put up. I just did, actually, I just did this for myself. I'm I'm launching a new product right now, and I worked incredibly hard with the design team on the label and came up with a lot of different labels and um, talking about packaging design for all the listeners when I say label, but that was what I tested uh, this week on PickFu and the results is not what I would have picked to launch with. (laughs) That's a common, that's a common response where we hear people say like, man, the one I thought was going to win or the one that I really liked wasn't the one that one. And uh, that's the whole point is to kind of get out of your own echo echo chamber, maybe your team or your friends and family all kind of think similar, but aren't necessarily the target audience. Um, so it's really important just to get out of your head. And like you said, it could be on all aspects um, and ideally early in the process, right? So maybe when you're doing product design or packaging or branding, even the logos, uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of brand names, like we see a lot of crazy brand names on Amazon and you wonder like, what does that even mean? Does that mean anything? And it kind of matters because now consumers are getting more sophisticated. They start recognizing like, what is this brand name that you can't even pronounce? Do I trust that? Um, maybe you should test it with PickFu to make sure that it's something that makes sense for like a home and kitchen brand, right? Yeah. And 
the more and more you test, the more you learn. And uh, you made me laugh when you just said, uh, get out of your, your friends and family. But the funny thing is with my label that ever the one that people picked is not the one I wanted. And my husband had picked that. And I was like, no way are they siding with my husband who has no design. Yeah, goes wrong with him. <laughs> it drove me crazy. Cause I, and then I had to make the decision, like, do I just go with what I want or do I go with what I think will sell? And as a coach and selling on Amazon, I went with what PickFu recommended. Right. So question for you, who are these people that are voting on this? Sure. So we, we built on top of all of the same existing panels that a large consumer brands uh, use. So Procter & Gamble, Kraft, they're all doing these market research surveys as well. What they, but the advantage they have is they have consumer insights teams. They work with market research consultants and they, they feel these uh, very expensive studies. Um, we tap into those same uh, panels, but we do so in a way that's more accessible. And we build our own layer of uh, audience targeting and data quality on top of that as well. So when even when they run these studies, one of the biggest challenges is actually quality. And as you can imagine, when you're paying people on the internet for, for things, you get a lot of people who aren't doing it uh, earnestly and they're you know kind of like mailing it in. And we spend yeah. a lot of time making sure that the, the responses we get are high quality. Uh, so we're filtering it out uh, both automatedly and um, through human curation. There's a lot that we do to make sure that um, the, the responses that we get are the people that, that you want. And the turnaround time is really quick. How does, how does that happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So typically uh, for a U.S. general audience of 50 responses, we can get it within 30 minutes, 15, 30 minutes. And um, that comes from being in, uh, incentivizing people like, you know, we do pay them and also having a really good reputation uh, for um, being fair to our respondents and um, building this uh, understanding that if they do good work, like we will pay them. Um, but at the same time, for the people who don't do good work, we do kind of block them and ban them from uh, accessing our surveys. Okay, that makes so much sense why the results are so in-depth. And if if listeners, if you haven't tested anything on PickFu yet, get ready for the results because it it, it can hit you a little, a little deep. And I laugh okay. because yeah. if you haven't even gone to market yet and you're getting negative feedback, which you would probably get that in negative reviews. Mm -hmm. So this is helping you avoid negative reviews because you're already having to take it on the chin and you haven't even launched yet. Yeah, you want negative feedback privately, right? You don't want to wait till it's a public review and you can do something about it if it's early. If it's private negative feedback is just something to improve on. And if you are able to use that feedback to iterate and improve whether you know, your design or your product or whatever it is, by the time you launch, you're going to be so much more confident that, okay, well, I've already made a lot of improvements. I know that they're not going to comment about this or this or this or this because I already made all of those adjustments. So um, just building that confidence is is one of the most common things that we hear from our customers that you know now they have the confidence to make that decision, to invest those thousands of dollars um, and to put themselves out there as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I like how you brought up, you can test even the brand name. I didn't even think of that. And people yeah. ask me that a lot. Like, does my brand name matter? And I, my answer that I always just want to blurt out because I'm blunt is, well, just don't make it sound like it came from China. Like make it exactly. a word. Make it, like, <laughs> <make sense. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, 
it it doesn't matter as much for the initial sale, but I think as you're as you're trying to build the business, then and you're trying to add more products into that, you're trying to build a brand story, and I think at some point it will matter for you to stand out. Um, and so, even just doing a simple test to see if if your brand name makes sense for the category of product that you're selling in, I, I think is the main thing, uh, because a lot of times you you see names that why does that sound like a a tech brand, but it's selling you know clothing or something like that. Like it just feels like a mismatch. And so I think that's the main thing to test for. Yeah. And then you get the negative feedback and you can make, make some adjustments. Sometimes I want to be the person voting. I'm like, Hey, I want to see what everyone's doing. And like, you know, tear it apart. I see enough with the students I coach and I get to give feedback, but giving that feedback for me becomes addicting. And then also the testing. So can you kind of walk me through maybe a case study or a product launch um, that PicFu really helped or just testing in general. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to always be about PicFu, even though you're the co-founder of PicFu, but yeah. I just love to hear successful launches that could have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they would have been a disaster, but I guess our most famous one is, is the Thrasio one where uh, you know, one of their their marquee products is this uh, angry orange pet deodorizer, and so it's a brand that they purchased and was doing really well on Amazon. Um, but the the packaging and the branding was very like mom and pop feeling, like like maybe they had designed it themselves. They probably did design it themselves, but it was an incredibly effective product. And so uh, Thrasio had this uh, theory that if they rebranded it, it would really you know pop out. And so. Um, the challenge was rebranding and doing all that was going to cost like $50,000 and it was going to be a big investment to, you know, work with the factory and change the packaging and kind of relaunch all the imagery and all that kind of stuff. So they really wanted to make sure that um, whatever design they went with was going to hit home. And so they made a lot of different design variations. They tested it on PicFu. They came up with the final uh, branding and packaging, which is the, the, um, the orange one that you see now. And so now they have this iconic like orange bottle that really stands out. And immediately after they launched that, they they saw sales increase. Um, and from there, they were able to launch a bunch of product line variations, knowing that this is, you know, this new branding like really helps them stand out because it's it's more than the main image that stands out on on the um, uh, search results. When you can actually have your product or your packaging just really pop. And that orange bottle really does when you search for a pet deodorizer, it's like, oh, wow, that, that's a really hip looking, interesting product. Uh, it makes a really big difference. So, so that's a great, uh, great case study. And um, yeah, there's a bunch more kind of like that where making these decisions really early in the process uh, become like a pivotal decision uh, for the brand going forward. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about the listing optimization as far as... Sure. Just when people are shopping on Amazon, like what tips and what is it that stands out to make people buy? You said maybe a bright orange bottle if all the other bottles are gray. Yeah. What else? So it, it kind of depends on the category. Um, I would say a lot of the best practices that we've seen are, um, first of all, show, showing packaging. I think everyone knows that. Like if you've got, even if your packaging isn't great, I think showing the packaging gives you a big opportunity to, um, 
um, not only have your product stand out a little bit, it gives it a little bit more depth, but a lot of what a lot of people do now, which I'm sure you've seen and maybe recommend is just kind of putting additional information on that packaging. So it kind of looks like, you know, maybe you're emphasizing um, a quality or, you know, some kind of benefits or quantity, and you're able to kind of put that on the packaging. So, you know, ideally that's actually printed on the packaging and if it's not like at least make it look like it's printed on the packaging so right. like that's a, that's a practice that we've seen what about um, made in the usa is that like an eye-catching one if it is then yeah i think i think i would put that on there like and and i would superimpose that kind of on the packaging because it's probably something that would be on packaging um so i think this is where uh packaging design is is it really underrated for e-commerce brands because i think most brands think like oh well i'm just going to ship it in a brown box um but if you actually spend a little bit of time in designing interesting packaging uh it actually makes your product stand out like like a higher quality product right because you know if i'm a, if i'm a normal consumer and i see a product that has no packaging and one that has really nicely designed packaging i'm going to think oh this is a real company they actually spent time you know you know building their packaging the packaging clearly outlines a lot of interesting benefits made in USA, you know, hyperallergenic, whatever it is, all these kind of benefits. And that's actually going to make a big difference to me. So I think those are those are interesting uh, things to tr test out. Um, if your product has a lot of uh, pieces or, you know, things in it, laying it out uh, in, a, in an organized way, I think is uh, kind of a best practice that we've seen. Um, we've seen tests where people tested uh, a very creative layout. So maybe like they fanned like a bunch of different t-shirts versus like laying them out in a grid. And creatively you may think like, oh, the fan looks really cool. But the grid tests much better because the feedback is, oh, well, I can actually see every everything that I'm getting because maybe they're all different designs and like I couldn't read everything when it was fanned. So like maybe your designer's like, hey, this fan thing's like really cool. But if you test it, it's like, no, 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 but no one can tell like maybe it's harder to count or you can't like see everything that's on the on the pieces so that's where data and testing against actual people is kind of works well with your your designer yeah i think that's a good point i always run into that when i when i test is the comments are often like i can read that one better people really just yeah. want to be able to see the information have it be able to they can read it and it looks safe enough that they're going to bring it into their home Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how, how much they expect, I think, from that main image now. It's, it's more than just the product. Like they essentially want to be convinced um, from that main image. And a fun test that I, I recommend some people who are maybe having a challenge or, or consultants that are working with uh, challenging clients is um, running a test where you ask, uh, what do you think this product is? And just kind of like putting up the image or the packaging or whatever it is, the, some, the thing that you're having an issue with and asking people, what do you think this product is? And you'd be surprised at how many, how many things that people can't tell, you know, like one, one I saw was, um, it was like this little rake and I couldn't really tell if it was one, like a Zen sand rake or was it a back scratcher or <laughs> like an actual rake? Because like, you know, from the picture, who knows what the scale is like? Yeah, it could have been any of those things or all of those things. <laughs> it can be. And I learned that, you know, I have a, a five year old and we buy his stuffed animals and he gets so excited. And when it arrives, it's super teeny tiny. Yes. And 
he's now morphed into this like, you know, a consumer that's questioning things. He's like, mom, how big is this when he's shopping on Amazon? And so then we know to look at the size because he got burned and we had to return it. And I don't like, you know, because I'm an Amazon seller, I I do not like returning other people's products. I know there's Mm. a brand behind it. Somebody cared enough to make this little stuffed animal that hopefully my kid would enjoy, but we had to return it because he didn't like the size. And so just simple things like that will hurt your brand. So you definitely want to show size because you can't tell. You can't tell if it's a little rake for your yard or a back scratcher. Yeah. That leads me to another, another test that uh, we see a lot of people doing is, uh, is kind of a, like a crowdsource listing audit where you can ask people, you just put up your URL. So you're not comparing anything, but you put up your Amazon listing and you ask, take uh, you ask people to take a look at this listing and let me know what questions you may still have. And, What's interesting is that they'll surface questions that maybe you thought you answered clearly, but maybe they're not emphasized enough. You know, maybe you just put a random bullet somewhere. No one read that bullet. Uh, maybe it needs to be a, a secondary image that kind of emphasizes. Yes. So they might ask, like, is this washable? Is this edible? How big is the teddy bear? You know, like all these questions, which you probably thought you answered, but like yes. need to be made more clear. I'm going to have to do that before I launch because I was. The other thing is an Amazon seller, I'm investing a lot in my my images and my video. And yeah. it's like a, a third party does it for me. And then mm. by the time I build my listing, I'd have to pay to go back. So I'm going to have yeah. to do that with all my my content before I even go to launch. And if you're already, I already have listings, right? But if your listing's already up and you're open to all the criticism. I mean, you should always be open. I guess I should say that. But I was thinking, <laughs> I'm not in the mood right now to put some of my listings up. <laughs> yeah. And and sometimes you could you can kind of catch us ahead of time um, by asking people what are the concerns or what are the buying factors that you might have when you're, you know, buying a teddy bear. So you could put up a picture of the teddy bear and you could ask them what, you know, what questions would you want answered about this? And I bet one of them would say like, how big is it? Like, what's the size? Yeah. And so you're going to get kind of a prioritized list based off all this feedback of like, okay, I need to make sure to address like, you know, where is it made? Like, what are the materials? How big is it? And maybe you thought of all those, but I'm sure there's going to be a couple of questions on there that are like, oh, that's interesting. I never thought like, is it edible? You know, like would be a question that people had, but like, yeah, maybe for babies that are gnawing on it, like there's a concern, right? Yes, there there is. And we do encourage at AMZ Insiders people to go, sellers to go and put it out there and get as much of that type of feedback as possible. Like, like yeah. I like how you said, what is this product? We encourage yep. that. And also just give me any um, feedback. But I like how you were saying, what do you not understand? What about for on the same topic, products that are a little bit more niche, like hmm. if it was a beauty cream designed for maybe eczema, I'm making this up, but like, yeah. can you still test that? Like, do you have that audience? So we have, we have, let's see, what would be the closest thing? We have people who use beauty products. Um, and what we do is we ask them like how many beauty products they use. So like. Uh, I think like one to three is like where something is on the low end and then someone would be four or five or higher. Um, So that might be the closest thing where someone who's more accustomed to buying beauty products could answer that question. Um, 
the conditions are a little bit tougher, like skin conditions or health conditions. Yeah. Uh, something we're working on because we we have had uh, some requests for it, but um, I think just making your product clear, irregardless if you know you have eczema, like is going to be good because I think the other thing that um, many customers have the the problem with is hyper targeting too much, where they have like a very idealized customer persona, oh. but not really thinking that other people might be buying this product. So you know maybe I don't have eczema, but maybe my my wife is buying it for me. Maybe my mom's buying it for me. And they're just trying to find like, oh, like what, what which eczema product is going to be good for, you know, so-and-so that I'm buying it for. So yeah. they're not always the target user, but like someone else could be buying it. And that that's something people should keep in mind. Yeah, that's good. And then you can break down by age too, not, not on the eczema topic, but I was just thinking when you were talking about beauty products, you could say, yeah. hey, this is for aging skin. So it could be yeah. for like, you know, my age, 40 and older. Or something like that. Um, yeah, you can definitely target by age. And then the other thing you can do is you can request demographic information on a lot of different attributes um, so that you could see how answers break down after the fact. So maybe um, you don't want to filter out homeowners, but you want to see how homeowners respond to a certain thing. And so like when you do an A and a B, it'll show you like, oh, well, maybe A one seventy thirty, but homeowners actually liked it compared to like renters or something like that. And that might be an interesting, you know, bifurcation of the data that you may want to do something with. What about price points? Do you ever ask, do people ask questions about price points? Yeah, that's a fun one because uh, what's great about PickFu is, is doing hypothetical tests that you can't do on live, you know, live listings or anything. So we'll see people testing um, like different combinations of things. And then of course, price. So you know, the, the simplest thing might be, you know, should I sell two at this price versus three at this price? Like, that's interesting, right? Like, you know, if I want to do a combination or a package of something, that's something that people test. But the other way you could do it is we have a mock-up generator where you can create um, kind of like fake search result listings. So it'll be like the main image with a title, like yeah. stars and price. And so you can kind of like set anything you want. So this is great if you're like thinking about going into a category and you want to say like, okay, well, these there's these two top uh, competitors that all have like 10,000 reviews, but I'm going to come in with this main image and this, and I'm gonna, probably going to use this title. I'm probably going to have like five reviews, but I'm going to see if I can come in like $3 cheaper. Am I, am I going to chip away at these guys who have higher ratings reviews? Because I, I think my image is better and I'm going to come in a little cheaper. And yeah. it's really fascinating to keep playing with those. Okay, well, what if it's $4? What if it's like $5? And you keep running these tests. And that's going to give you really good validation and confidence that like, okay, like I know I can launch even if I only have five reviews because I'm going to come in at this price and hopefully that price works for me from like an economical standpoint. But uh, yeah, like that, that makes you confident that you can go to market with that uh, pricing strategy. That is very, very cool. I am actually going to do that with my product that I'm going to launch. So super cool. I didn't even think about testing it that way. I was just throwing out, hey, what about yeah. price testing? So dropping bombs. Love it. <laughs> um, another way to do it is actually um, to kind of ask hypothetical pricing. So you could you could put up your product or describe the product in an open-ended uh, poll and ask, um, there's actually a series of questions called the Van Westendorp 
pricing strategy, which is kind of like a market research thing. And it asks four different questions, which is like, uh, what's the cheapest price that this seems like a deal? Or what's the highest price that it seems overpriced? And you kind of like ask all these different questions. And based on that, you, you kind of hone in on like a price that you, the market will bear. Um, and it's very interesting because it, it's not as simple as just asking like, what do you think this should be? Or how much would you pay? Because obviously people might just put the lowest or whatever it is. But forcing them to think like, oh, what's the highest that I might pay that's like not too expensive? Like, it's kind yeah. of an interesting thought experiment. And so um, that's, a, that's a fun way to get more data points as well. Yeah, that is, that's fun, really fun, especially I'm thinking like before I even launch, because you don't want your buyers to see it at a low price. This happened to me actually is like I had launched at a low price mm -hmm. and then I raised it a lot over several weeks and months. And then I was getting people complaining and that goes to my quote that my dad taught me when I started my first dog walking business when I was eight years old is keep them delighted with everything but the price. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to toughen up and tell them the price is the price, but they kept it yeah. in their cart. And if I ever dropped the price a tiny bit, then it would like spike, spike some sales. But, you know, it, it would have, PickFu wasn't around then. This is a um, you know, a while ago, but it would have been really um, thoughtful of me if I had tested the price. So I highly recommend testing the price. And I'm going to take you up on this new uh, pick food test that I just learned about. Yeah. Awesome. The, uh, the other one that I would do, um, I know a lot of people do variations, like maybe they're ordering different colors or yeah. patterns and things like that. Like, I think that's incredibly important to test because how are you going to know how much of each to stock? Or even if you should stock that many variations. Yeah. Um, so testing those and kind of using that data to figure out, oh, okay, I should do like a 70-30 split or maybe I shouldn't do the pink color or whatever it is, uh, I, I think is really important because as consumers, we all see the products that, that have all these variations and one of them is being priced super low because it's not moving. And mm -hmm. you know that's got to suck for that seller, right? Because they're just trying to move that inventory of like this unfortunate pattern or color that's not doing well. And that you don't want that to be you. You don't. And that's a good... So so you know, teaching keywords, and let's use the example of a pink trash can. Like there's there might be small pink trash cans, but I, I think there's a gap in the marketplace for actually like large pink trash mm. cans. But... Now you can actually test if people would want a large pink trash can using PickFu instead of spending all the money to put it up on Amazon. Yeah. Like, okay, so say the pink does okay versus the black, but would you also want to throw in, I don't know, what what's a trending color this year? Like the like a orange? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would be fascinating to test. And I think just getting people to uh, respond to like these hypothetical questions is kind of the really fun thing about, um, you know, choosing new products now, right? Because you're not just asking your friends and family or just kind of hypothesizing based off what you might be seeing in the, in the keyword data. And a lot of times that data is kind of obfuscating um, more intent, right? Because maybe there are a lot of people searching for pink trash cans, but 
and then they're kind of visually scanning for sizes or whatever it is. Right. They're not explicitly saying like large pink trash can or small pink trash can or desktop pink trash can. And so uh, really important to validate that with actual consumers. Yeah. And you can do that now instead of guessing. I've launched pl plenty of products in the past where it's like, well, I am just going to put this out in pink. And it is. So I put one out in pink. A Let's say I think it was two years ago now. I launched it, most most of the products online were black, had some white. I was mm. like, you know what? I'm just I like this color pink. I'm just going to do it. And I put the pink out there. And the first time the first inventory run, I think I started with 400. The pink sold exactly the same as the black. Huh. Well, now that I'm selling pink and black, I don't know what's going on. The pink is like 30% ahead of the black now. Yeah. I'm like, huh? The Barbie effect. <laughs> the Barbie effect, maybe. Yeah. Barbie movie came out. Yeah, everyone everything, everything's pink. Pink is hot right now. <laughs> everything, if, I, if you're, yeah, listeners, listen up. Pink is hot right now. Yes. So <laughs> test the pink quickly on PicFu and launch. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. The Barbie came out. You nailed it. See, you really know your stuff. I love <laughs> it. Well, Justin, you have dropped some awesome listing bombs with us today. What is kind of your best advice or some advice that you want to give for sellers already Amazon sellers, maybe even aspiring sellers to crush it on Amazon? Um, aside from just, you know, using data, I guess. Um, I, I recommend people who don't know where to start to, to do one of these like audits, because I think a lot of times the questions uh, that people surface are are going to show up anyways in negative reviews or returns, like you said. And so trying to nip some of those uh, in the bud, I think are, are incredibly important, um, you know, and broad, more broadly, just, just be more data-driven. Um, we're, as a company, like, you know, we're not selling uh, products, but we are selling a service and we're constantly talking to our customers all the time to understand uh, what it is that we can improve, um, you know, what are their issues? And so we just try to get our customers to do the same with their potential customers. So whether that's like, you know, reaching out to existing customers or your target audience on PickFu, um, just be just be more data driven in that way. Good advice. As we move forward, it's more and more data driven decisions because there is so many more opportunities to confirm and validate. and. I guarantee if you're not doing it, your competitors are. So yeah. we'll put the link to PickFu and we have AMZ Insiders as yep. our coupon code for $50 off. So that'll be in the notes. And Justin, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and everything you're doing for the Amazon community. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon, or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.